Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and welcome to this iteration of Faster Than a Stand-Up. I'm Brent Lamont. As we wrap up our series on their individual journeys, I've got a collective from the last 10-ish episodes. I've got Mike Ward, Michael Basil, and Ryan Utech from SAP Field Glass. And I've got a host of people from the ISBN Enablement Operations Agile Operations team, Shelkim Crotty, Sunny Sangha, Ronnie Chan, and Patrick Dodd. Hi, everybody. Hello. 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 So, <laughs> hello. There we go. See, the audio version is now cool because everybody has said hello as opposed to the visual version where you get a bunch of waving. So today we're going to have not really a retrospective, but it's a conversation based on the journey episodes. And so I'm just curious as to let's go through the five questions that we covered over these. It was how did you start and uh, what or who was helpful for you when you started on your journey? Uh, what would now you tell then you about uh, how to do things differently? What did you have to learn or unlearn? And what was the greatest resistance so far in your path? So I want to start with Mr. Basil. So what rang true for you through any of these episodes, including your own? Yeah, I mean, I, I think the, just the, actually, I, I would say, I don't think it came out enough of how to prepare, like how unprepared um, people are when they start down this journey for encountering resistance to change. Um, you know, I, I think we talked about it, like, you know, we're, we're learning and, and this and that, and it, it just, maybe it's my, my memory of it and, and some of the other episodes, but and, and, you know, connected to what I experience on a day to day, but, um, but how much of a, of a grind or challenge, productive challenge it is to encounter resistance to change and figure out, you know, where your biases are, where your opinions are, are kind of getting in the way and, and just how much of a, a journey it is about, uh, encountering, you know, resistance and convention, change the conventions and, you know, how psychological it is and philosophical it is at, at some level, um, dare I dare I say. Okay. I would like to second that, Basil, because I, I also feel that in sometimes when me being one of the younger ones coming into this and into this role, uh, for me, I understood it. I get it, right? And I walk through the process and I'm like, why isn't everybody else getting it? I'm getting more frustrated because I'm running against the resistance, right? Um, and I need to keep pushing through that and learning to coach myself around that instead of getting as, as frustrated as sometimes I did early on. But I, I think there was something to a point that was made, and this was a common theme as well, is it's not always the resistance to change. It's when people think that they've changed. I now know the word agile, and I now know the word scrum, and therefore I'm doing it. Please hand me the status report you know, and here are your tasks, you know? And so um, the combination of not only the resistance to change, but the journey that we've all been through um, where people at different points in their journey um, assume things and we have to adjust to, you know, where are they at in their journey and how do we interpret it and how are they interpreting us? Yep. So. <laughs> well, and I think that that brings up two points. One is, 
we may be all on a journey, but we're on different points and mm -hmm. you can't, you can't assume that we're all at the same spot. Right. And so right. what is, what is helping you might be hurting someone else because of where they're at in their flow. Right. So yeah, that's, that's a good, good thing to bring up. Shell Kim thoughts. Yeah, I actually really enjoyed this series because it gave me a chance to really look back at my own journey. And in mm -hmm. retrospect, you know, going in fresh and learning for the first time, going to the Scrum Master class, you know, I was like, okay, this is how it's done. This is what you do. And not really understanding that it's more than just the process. This is how you do it. It really is the mindset. It really is the journey. And I think that um, it would be good if, you know, as, as folks out there begin their journey, um, classes and trainings that they go through, I don't think that that part of Agile is really discussed a whole lot. I think the emphasis is, this is how you do Scrum. This is what a Scrum Master does, that mm -hmm. sort of thing. And, um, you know, as I think back, it really is all about the journey, the transformation, the mindset. You know, mm -hmm. I think most people can pick up the process. I mean, it, it, when you look at Scrum, it is pretty straightforward. But implementing, putting that and helping teams and organizations, that's what is the harder part of any of these frameworks that we try and help teams with. And as a, as a coach, as I continue to grow, those are the things that I think about and keep in mind is how can I help adapt to each person, each team, each organizations. Right. And you know, we had a conversation earlier about standing by the book. Yes, you do need that. You need to, you know, explain the principles so that they understand what it is. But then at that point, you need to kind of shift and, and help them adapt to really understand what it means. Um, mm -hmm. culturally. Yeah, and, yeah. And I think, I mean, we've touched on this a little bit throughout the, throughout the entire series. So, you know, the history of Faster Than Stand-Up is that sometimes when you're starting with a team, it's easier to, to be a little more rigid in the application of the frameworks because that helps everyone understand common rules and common themes. And then as the team starts to grow and engage, you can shift and adapt. And I, I think the challenge is the use of framework because we talk about it as a framework, but we don't apply it as a framework. Right. More often than not, it turns it is a rigid application of these are rules that you follow, that you do all these things, and it's the pivoting that's important. And I think we used um, in one of the episodes I was on uh, the word buffet um, for the, the practices, but that was also a, a theme that I had heard um and you could translate it into being flexible like once you knew the disciplines and once you yes. knew um the basic practices and you had those down then you could adapt them um or modify them or kind of pick and choose the best practices of a, a couple different methods to fit that part of the organization and um you the i think 
as I heard uh, across the podcast, <clears throat> some of the people's journeys were the, the modification and the learning and how to adjust along the way. You know, when right. do you, which technique, when do you mature that technique? You know, when to start out knowing you're not doing something by the book, but you're in a step to get there. You know, and it's, it's you know, working through that model. But it's, it seemed to hear that as a general theme. Yeah. Um, we've had that we've shared <laughs> as part of our shared experience. There you <laughs> go. Projects. Right. I, I feel, I feel yeah. like I'm, I'm hearing something from the last couple of people that spoke like they, when you're originally taught this a lot of times or when I've been exposed to it and different people I know that have it's been presented to them. It's very much the process without, I would say like, um, like touchstones or framing, you know, to judge how to apply these things. And so it, it comes across, you know, a lot of people in our teams that have come in later, it can come across dogmatic. That's the word. Yes. It's like dogmatic. Yes. And then that's a turnoff for them. And these are influencers in the group. Right. And so that's not, we're not, I don't think we're being effective at, at that point in time in that moment. Um, so like, you know, I, I think, there's there's like what what's the other extreme to dogmatic like maybe it's still is dogmatic but um the the extreme philosophy like the opposite of rigidity be like water right yes. like you know it's it's like it's adaptable to anything and it's a powerful force you know and that that's how i see agile it's something it's flexible and and it is it is the mindset and it's a you know non-clinical term compared to psychology and <laughs> neuroscience and, and philosophy but yeah mindset i, I think is is what you're really the journey you're entering and that i don't know if it's intentional that you're not exposed to that at the beginning um but well, that definitely is what it is i think there's a little bit of a you don't know what you don't know right and i think that uh a phrase that's used a lot on our team is meeting meeting people where they're at and mm -hmm. if you don't know where you're meeting them you know it's it, it we go back to mike's conversation about being on the path and where everyone is if you're just starting on the path you're meeting somebody who's like way down on their path if you got if you have a good uh instructor in giving you the framework but it's the you don't know that there's a bunch of stuff that you're missing or you may actually have you just don't know you have it and i think, in addition I, I think the, you yeah. could also be you could also be versed in the the language of or be told like you know if you talk about being dogmatic um but there could be let's say you're just starting out in a training session um and everybody is kind of baseline and they understand where we're going but it doesn't become real until they actually start doing it and i think right. there's a gap and then so um the training kicks in again where there's a re-explanation of what does this mean and it comes and that comes across as stronger because people think they know it and um when they get corrected or you know suggested otherwise um but it happens on a repeated basis because they they want to follow whatever path they were on if that's incorrect <laughs> you, you know i think because it, it, it all ties together change is hard and we're trying to change the behavior to go in this new direction changes mindset and so there is a constant reminder so it does feel like hey you're always picking on me hey you're always yeah. <laughs> sure you know, however you want to 
call it uh, call it out. But again, I I, I think um, you know Michael's right. That's part of the process that I think we've all gone through with the various teams that are starting out. And, I, and maybe there's multiple reasons, um, you know, for the resistance to change. But even with teams that are on board, you know, I think we've all experienced to, to exactly what he's talking about, you know, and how we go through that journey. Patrick, think- not only not only does it have to do with um, being elastic with processes and with uh, um, <clears throat> with with leading with the mindset, but it's also what approach are you taking as well, like. Um, I, I always come back to the four coaching stances, you know, when we talk about uh, mentoring versus coaching versus teaching versus um, versus facilitating. Um, and I, I think that um, with as, as we grow on our journey, uh, it becomes easier for us uh, to go between those based on what the needs of the group are and uh, where the group's at, where the team's at or the individual, whoever you're working with. Yeah. Sometimes that's difficult with new new person, right? Like a new scrum master, somebody that doesn't have all those experiences. I think it goes sometimes deeper than agile as well when it comes to resistance. Um, If you look at some of the resistances and examples, maybe I've had in my past um, with some teams. And if you think about some of the feelings that come with resistance, I think it comes back to Doddy's comment around which stance do you take then once you come across one of those sort of emotions um, when it comes to resistance so for example if someone's fearful of agile coming in or doing scrum um, you've got to apply a different coaching mindset to that right so I think um, one of the interesting things we do in our scrum master workshop is actually we have a resistance section right towards the end of that training um, mm. where we go through the quadrant of like skeptics saboteurs for example um, and then we try to coach those scrum masters to go okay if you come across these types of folks inside the organization in teams and a lot of it is attached to emotions um, or how they feel at the time um, these are potentially the ways to deal with that and I think I think it comes down to a lot of how do you coach them in a soft skills way as well um, to overcome whatever resistance that they may be facing at the time? This is crazy. You hit exactly into what I was thinking. It's like you're going to come across these different personality types. I mean, you gave um, specific labels that works. I think that model probably works well. You know, but like you could think of the big five, like map like right into those. And, um and it's like, well, then what do you do? I, I really like that you you incorporate that because it and it is it, it's not just agile. Like it, we encounter it when we're trying to, you know, promote like intersource principles. The same thing comes up. It's like, and I've decided it's just people are it's unknown, so they have varying degrees on how cautious they are with that. And it's like fear of it's like there's like a loss aversion or something like that, that, that kind yeah. of is going on. So it's like, okay, we're, we're taking away somebody's um, convention that, that, that they've gained stability from and, and suggesting it's like Mike was saying, like, they feel picked on, like they've been doing it wrong. And they have, they haven't been doing it wrong. They've been doing it a certain way. Mm-hmm. And, and now we're exploring a new way. And, and so there's, there's the, the, the coaching poses. I'll have to dig further into that. Thanks for yeah, uh, I'll send, I'll, highlighting I'll send you the information. That. I appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah, no worries, Michael. 
I find that people just starting out in their journey tend to get stuck in stances a lot easier as well. Yes. Um, and it's yeah. usually um, a security and a confidence thing. Like I find that people get stuck. Most people that I've seen get stuck in either uh, teaching or coaching and not fully coaching. But what, what I find is funny is like either, either people get stuck in teaching because they learn what the book is and they're like, well, I better teach this correctly. And uh, I, I don't want to make a mistake by going too off the rails. Um, and the other uh, thing that people get, tend to get stuck in is this odd version of a coaching stance, because rather than start to talk about what, what they know and what their subject matter expertise is, they'll say, someone will come to them with a problem and then they'll say, well, what do you think the solution is? <laughs> well, what do you think needs to be done? <laughs> should they then switch the pose to mentoring at that point sometimes well i think it depends on the solution but i think that it's um i I think a lot of people just starting out tend to tend to get stuck in one stance because yeah yeah, i I definitely everybody's been there so ronnie i want to i want to get you to i want you to get you in for a few seconds before you got to go because i know you're (laughs) heading off to something no no it's all good um, so on the thread of resistance, um, Sunny was uh, bringing up, I think a lot of times what happens is the past experience leads to that, right? Somebody who's gone through it and had a bad experience, they usually tend to say, well, shoot, I did that. It didn't work. So why would this work this time? Um, basically, they have a bad past that kind of taints their uh, opinion about you know, how, how they would um, try it again, right? So it's once you have a bad experience, it's um, it's really hard to convince this person otherwise. Um, so you got to have to look to see if you can have him open up to learn enough about okay, what went wrong, how did it go wrong, and go from there. Um, and it will be different, right, in each each case. Uh, but if you, without that, once you have a notion that okay, well, agile sucks. Uh, it didn't work for me. Uh, it didn't do anything that it was supposed to do. So I'm not going to do it again. Um, right. It's hard to uh, convince that person otherwise. Um, well, you know, kids are saying, hey, well, you did wrong. <laughs> That's not going to work either, right? And to that, it's always that they paint agile as bad if it's, oh, I had a bad scrum experience. So it's like you go, they, they go to a different team and their team's doing Kanban. Oh, well, that's agile. That sucks. Right. So it, it's just the it paints the whole thing in a bad light when it was, exactly. you know, a bad, uh, a bad coaching experience or a bad team experience. And it's just like people just that uh, <clears throat> something was barely warm, but it burned my hand. Right. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, it, it's, not, it's, it's not just agile, though. It's like there's. This is yet another project methodology change, right? Like this is, oh, here it is again. Oh, that didn't work. Why would this work? It's like, okay, like there's a, there's a negative sentiment baked into the organization right now around, you know, considering change because there, you know, these other frameworks too, it's not just agile have been sold that they will boost morale and quality output and quantity and they haven't delivered and it's like well what's different about this and it's like and then so you that's like you're you're against a a skeptic who has like learned 
is a learned mindset to be uh, skeptical of, of those types of changes because they want to do their job the way they're doing it now. Just sometimes I'm thinking, what are the stances that is missing often when resistance happens and when people are going through brand new change is counseling sometimes, which is sure. different to coaching, teaching, mentoring, is just listening to someone day by day to see what they're going through, right? They're not even ready to make the positive action, which then you start to get into coaching, right? Um so it's always interesting that when resistance happens, maybe that's the stance that should be default rather than trying to teach or coach. Like, come on, let's move along. Yeah, some this, people are not ready. This yeah. is like, it's the pose isn't therapist, right? Mm. But the po- I think of the pose, maybe it's close to, is like consultant. Like you're, mm-hmm. you're there for a consultation, right? Yeah. And you're, you're not actually you're not actually coaching it's like it's it's different it's because you know there's therapist there's coach so you know like then there's there's consultant counselor you know Mm -hmm. it's like it's slightly different that's a that's a that's a key key pose i think you've identified i think you're right on that well and i think it goes to the how are you helping people right because Mm -hmm. your job as a coach your job as a scrum master your job as a facilitator is to go and help the team be the best that it can be and so sometimes you're you're on whatever end of the spectrum you're on and sometimes you're in between that where you're just trying to help them get better and if that means for our conversation i'm just trying to help you get through the day then cool if that's a i'm trying to help you solve an immediate problem cool it's i it's the interest the piece that you came up with earlier was it's all about the soft skills and nobody talks about the soft skills from a how to be a scrum master, how to be a coach. You know, it's not it, more in the coaching where you start to talk about it, but it's like if you actually had soft skill, soft skills as part of a scrum master workshop, how how much better would that be? Well, so like when you say soft skills coaching, I think of like the coaching, the training a mediator would go through mm-hmm. conflict coaching like these are elements that you know there's just a ton of conflict that's going to come up it's going to surface 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 and so are we training people or, or helping people learn how to how mm-hmm. to handle those or even understand that it's happening and, and i would right. say the vast majority of certification programs do not right they just think, don't they don't touch on it i think there's a well just real quick simon senek uh uh, Sinek has been starting to talk about soft skills as they're just human skills. So I, I want to kind of watch that as a, a thread to see that, that picks up, like if we're going to be teaching like human skills, you know, through organizations. Um, but I do want to talk on the resistance because as coaches, <clears throat> we come in to an organization and the organization has gotten to a point, um, you know, where they're maturing, but a lot of places have got there based on like a hero mentality. Um, and that's what the individuals that the coaches are now coming in and trying to train and coach. That's what they've been rewarded for. They've been rewarded for putting out the fires, stepping up, acting individually, not working as part of a group, not working collaboratively. So 
So there might be good intentions there, but as coaches, we don't also fully see the, um, the impact the organization has to these individuals if they continue to be rewarded for being heroes versus being part of an agile um, uh, team. And so as coaches, I think we've all kind of struggled through that with um, uh, change and resistance to change as well. So I'm, Mike. I'm curious as... <laughs> This conversation actually came up in one of our community conversations like two, two weeks ago, um, where we started pulling on that thread, right, of it's conflict and resistance based on the reward mechanism, right, from, from as low as, as high up as salary, right, and how the whole, how you're compensated to how you're compensated within the team, right, and that, that, that is a huge resistance as the company is larger, right, the larger the company, sometimes the bigger the structure there is in this reward system. And it's hard when the re- you shouldn't necessarily be rewarded on just output, right? It's, mm-hmm. are you adhering to the principles? Are you adhering to the practices? Uh, are you learning as a team? I was gonna yeah. say, I think that's the biggest uh, impediment within any organization I've worked with is what behavior is rewarded because it's, it's, it's that's exactly it, right? I mean, that's like, if you have an organization that rewards command and control and rewards mm-hmm. uh, dysfunctional behavior and output versus outcome, then uh, what happens is you might have somebody who loves Agile and who always has and um, really is enthusiastic about it. But in the end, that person is probably going to go back to old behaviors because that's what's valued in the org. Mm-hmm. Right. So you said hero, right? So an organization rewarding hero, anytime you're rewarding that, you're inherently influencing and promoting a dramatic loop, right? Like that's, you're promoting drama. Um, And so there's a villain, there's a, you know, there's a Cartman drama triangle in there. And, And I think agile, like, is the opposite. It tries to get rid of drama and DS, de emphasize drama maybe into like empiricism or something else, but it's a different type of experience that you're trying to instill mm-hmm. in the group. And so if you ask a manager, like, what do you think about like somebody rescuing? It was like, that's great. Like, what do you think about your team being in a drama loop? Ooh, that's bad. I don't know if I like that. It's like, <laughs> okay, let's kind of work through that. Like what, you know, how does this kind of work? And, you know, how does that keep playing out? And, um, and then, you know, they can be, you know, consulted through the conversation but it's like well, what kind of team do you really want here right and um and you'll learn a lot about uh, an organization by how they start to not just answer that question with lip service but how that it is expressed in their values and hierarchy um throughout the organization mm-hmm. i mean that question of when we i i think with the question of the podcast of of what is your biggest impediment? I mean, that's just it. I think, I think that's for me, my biggest impediment in my journey is organizations who reward the wrong behaviors. Sure. Yeah. I think, I I think to different flavors, I think we've all run into that, right? You know, it's uh, an org who, who wants command and control. There's a, a book and I can't remember it off the top of my head. It's on my reading list which basically talks about uh, being 
one, you know, if you go with the Lulu, uh color schemes for, you know, orange and teal and uh, uh, see, and I'm just completely blanking because it's too darn early my time, but it's <laughs> the uh, being one color in a different colored organization. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. So if you're mm -hmm. if you're someone who's really open to your own transformation in, into all of those things and you work in a very command and control experience, how do you deal with that change? How do you deal with that fight? You're a pastel and the organization's a winter, is it? <laughs> <laughs> well, the, right. The, so yeah, go ahead. These orgs are not. They're not like what's the word, homogenous, like they're not they're they're heterogeneous right so yeah but they're but they're i i think the categories that i've seen that have provoked discussion um describe to three base topologies one is mm -hmm. command and control yep. one is command of teams and one is teams of teams when i've yep. shown that to different people they have different things that be like because it shows a progression from command to command to command of teams to team of teams and usually like the the agilists will be like yes team of teams and they're like autonomy and this and that and it's like you know there, there's still a control structure through working agreements between the groups and that's very yes. human like in in primal even like of how tribes actually would create working agreements and things like that so but then if you give it to somebody who's like you know maybe more on something like they they describe themselves as architecture ops or something they want command of teams and it's like Hmm. Well, that's interesting. Well, it seems like we have a topology conflict here of where we're actually no. going to end up. And yep. it's like, well, now we're actually talking about something interesting. And then it's like, well, which one's more efficient? Which one's more effective? It's like, okay, now we're in an interesting conversation. Maybe if we don't make it wrong to think that's, you know, a good thing. Like there's, you know, Peter Drucker was revolutionary in business, yep. managed manage based objectives, but that goes up and down. That's command and control up and down. Even he knew that that wasn't great. And then OKRs come out and that's in the seventies out of Intel and, you know, like Google, Bono, like Gates Foundation, you know, that that's a different, that's teams of teams really. Right. And that's, yeah. that's a much faster way to, you know, galvanize and, and energize an organization. So the question really is how, you know, how, how, how fast does the organization need to be able to pivot and, and be effective? And, and mm -hmm. you know, that, that's really what I think drives a lot of this, you know, is how effective can the organization be? And then, you know, everything right. else kind of subordinates into that. Well, it goes back to the meeting, the team where they're at, meeting people where they're at. And it's, how do you, you know, why are we here? We're here to help our customers. Whatever we do in, in this world, you know, in the work world, you're here to help your customers. Mm -hmm. And if if the way that your team does that is command and control and it works, okay. If it's that it's team of teams, okay. We just have to try to maximize the effort and maximize the efficiency. And it's, you know, why you talk about you know, scrum masters and coaches are in charge of the process. So if we can figure out how to maximize that effort, then let's do that. Mm -hmm. Right. Well, gentlemen, I think, have we run out of anything? Because uh, honestly, like if you said to me 30 plus minutes ago 
that we were going to wander on this conversation and we were going to go where we ended up. Not even close, which is why I loved having this. I think when I unpack this episode in uh, in editing, I'm going to have about eight new episode topics that we're going to have. <laughs> Perfect. Right? There's only one other thing that I would think uh, mentioned yeah. based on all of our conversation, not necessarily today, but all of the ones that we were supposed to go yep. listen to, um, <laughs> is that we all, the majority of us had somebody we learned this from, a coach, a mentor, yep. a community to go to. And I yep. think for any new scrum master up and coming, find that person or community to go talk to because they will be very helpful. They've seen more, right? You haven't seen anything yet. <laughs> so having, having somebody to go to and, and ask questions and just give the scenario, right? Um, sometimes is very helpful in the growth of your own. Uh, knowledge on things. Well, see, this is where we put in the plug for the no ops dojo. See, I know where you're going with this, Ryan. <laughs> and this is also this is also where we put a plug in for the communities of practice that we have yeah. here within SAP. So uh, resources will go here. Okay, cool. And then before before we do yeah. that, can we? I just want to I want to check in with the group. Did we land at like land the whole thing that? Um, working product and services is the reason we do anything is that the principle we actually value and we ended up landing on at the end it doesn't matter the topology things like that yeah some variation of that absolutely you know brent said you know the uh the customer the client you know but it's you know it's the it's the why correct like why are we doing this like what are we here for and how are we serving them you know how are we serving that entity so I, I've I, never I, had disagreement with even an agile skeptic about like that base question worth exploring. Yeah. So. See, and I think that's the place where you can pivot. You can ter- you can turn a skeptic by starting there. That's like, why are we here? We're here to service our customer. Okay, mm-hmm. cool. Let's talk about how we do that. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's, that's, the step of, you know, that's the journey of a thousand steps where you have to just say, okay, here, take a step with me. Hey, did that hurt? No, cool. Let's go do another one. Okay. Did that hurt? No, cool. All right. Let's try a couple yeah. more. Yeah. Right. The water's it fine. <laughs> it, it didn't hurt as much as you thought it would, at least. Exactly. That, that right. dark alley doesn't look so bad anymore. No, it does not. <laughs> so I, I think, Brent, I think you need to uh, adopt uh, some marketing material for the podcast. Yeah. And maybe start with, uh, I think Michael talked about uh, the drama loop. So maybe uh, t-shirts that say just avoid drama loop, you know, things like that. Uh, <laughs> no drama llama. <laughs> no drama yes. zone. We're no, drama. no drama. Oh, please. There's plenty of drama wherever every where wherever there are people, there's drama. I, I said de-emphasize the drama. I did not <laughs> Which is why I'm saying don't have it. There's if no you put drama. Put it on the t-shirt. You're just you're emphasizing. Dead, there's it. no drama. When they're, you're That's dead, true. there's absolutely no drama. Perfect. They avoid drama. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right on. So. All right. Well, everyone, thank you for the time. All right. Until the next iteration, I'm Brent. I'm Patrick. I'm Ronnie. I'm Michelle Kim. I'm Sonny. I'm Mike. I'm Michael. I'm Ryan.
Until the next iteration, yep. you can give us a five-star rating at your podcast provider. Mm-hmm. Shoot us an email at info at fasterthanstandup.com, or you can find us on Twitter at Faster Standup. Thanks for listening, and that was Faster Than Standup. The opinions on this podcast are solely those of the participants and not of their employers.